Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. Again, we're glad that you're here uh, today. I've, even as I've been thinking and preparing for this morning, it's a little bit of a of of a unique message. And that we, the last month, if you have not been here, we've been going through uh, the book of Daniel. So I've hopped around and really progressed from chapters one, and today we're ending this Daniel series in chapter six. But today is a little bit unique because as I read the portion, like this entire chapter, there's like nothing I can leave out. So I got to tell you about today's message. I'm like telling you the message before I actually give you the message, and then I'm actually going to give you the message. Does that make sense? I hope because I couldn't repeat what I just said, all right? It's really just an incredible story of how God makes himself known. All throughout the Bible, if I could just summarize it in just a moment, it's God, the one and only true God, making himself known. I remember in seminary, uh, a professor, Dr. Larkin, would say, what would the Bible be without this? It's a, it, it's a great question, right? If you read a portion of scripture, you say, what if the Bible were missing this? And really, in, in some ways, what that does is allow the reader to question its significance. So you read a verse and you go, wow, this is powerful. This is applicable to me or to my life. And how ap- you know, applicable is it? How powerful is it? Well, what if we didn't have it? If we didn't have the book of Daniel, I was pondering this this week. There are other stories of men and women and how God makes himself known. But we would be missing something incredibly significant if we did not know and have the story of the book of Daniel. If you've not been able to listen in, you can download our app and engage and listen to the previous messages. But really what I've been doing is walking from chapters 1 through chapters 6. There are a few other chapters in the book of Daniel's chapter 7 through chapter 12 that we're not going to go into, but it's an incredible story. And so today I've even apologized to Nick, who's in charge of clicking through the, scri- you know, the, the uh, slides today. I'm like, I'm reading all 28 verses. I, it's breaking one of the unspoken and sometimes spoken rule of communication and just giving you the entire story. I can't like jump around like I've done in the past. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read 28 verses that are powerful of the scripture today while I'm also going to give you a rolling commentary from Pastor Jason, right? Because it's an incredible story. And so that's what we're going to do in just a few moments, is just read through in, in, uh, really an, uh, an incredibly powerful story. It's really impossible to please everyone, isn't it? And I don't know if you do believe that you can uh, please uh, a lot of people or maybe please the majority. If you do believe that, you might be a politician. It's just impossible, right? Because of difference of convictions and differences in worldviews, differences in really in our personality, it is impossible to please everyone. If you're a parent and you have more than one child, you know this to be true. If you do what's, what you believe is best for one, you all of a sudden become a parental enemy of the other, right? It's like, how could you? And I remember thinking that as a kid growing up, like, what are my parents thinking? I know that my kids think that hopefully not on a daily basis, but when you do what's best for one, you sometimes create an unintentional enemy from the other side. In the workplace, it's no different. 
If you're in a relationship, you see that as well. What you do, if you do what you believe is best for yourself, sometimes the other person that you love the most doesn't like it. In the workplace, some of you live this, especially if you lead a team. If you do do what you believe is best for the team because you're looking out for the team, someone's not going to like it. Even in the world of making decisions in a nonprofit or leading a church, if you do what you believe is best for the congregation, if you do what you believe is best for the organization, there's going to be someone that doesn't like it. Now, sometimes people say, and I've said it too, I don't care what other people think. Have you ever said that? Anybody? I don't care what other people think. Ah, it's not true. Yes, you do, right? Now, sometimes we get in that attitude, and I'm so guilty of it. Like, I'm going to make this decision. I know people are going to like it. Well, too bad. We're just going to move forward. Well, even sometimes when we say that, it comes from someone who really cares, right? Because we've all experienced the pain of causing pain to someone else when we make a decision. It's hard. We can ignore the fact that someone might not, might not like it, but the reality is it's still there. It is impossible to please everyone. I've referenced a few times in these last few weeks in this series of Daniel politics very quickly, but the nature of even being a politician and uh, deriving, understanding, creating, and um, implementing policy in the world of politics, it's very difficult. It doesn't matter if you're an independent, a Democratic, or Republican, or something else. It is impossible to please not just everyone else, but even the people within your own party who assume that we look at life the same way and that we feel like we have the same convictions. Well, Daniel stands out in history. Why? Because he won the favor of multiple kings. In fact, the the king that we read about today, King Darius, he reigned for 36 years. And because of this story, at the very, very end of this story, we read this incredible line that says, and Daniel prospered throughout his entire reign. Daniel, even though he won the favor of king after king after king, even he did not win the favor of the masses. And the struggle, all of the struggle in his life is when people looked at him and did not like him. And I read the first six chapters of this incredible book in more than three times, right? And it could be up to five, depending on how you interpret it. It basically says, everyone around him found no fault in him. I don't know if you know someone like that in your life. Probably very few people of us do. But it's someone who just has it all together. It doesn't mean that they're that they're living some uh, false sense of having it all together, but just someone who makes good decisions, someone that's upright, someone in the workplace, and I'm sure you probably have someone that just everyone likes them. It's just a likable person. Well, Daniel found favor with that with his friends, with his family, with the politicians at the time, and king after king after king. We think that Daniel would have come to Babylon around the age of 20, and here we are, almost 60 years later, and they still like Daniel, and they still love Daniel, but it did not come without opposition. One of the reasons that Daniel found favor with the masses is because of his incredible faith in God, not just his faith in God, but the way that he walked day after day after day, living a life of integrity. As I said, we're going to jump into... Um, 28 verses, and I'm going to read the entire chapter uh, today found in the book of of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. 
Some of you may know this story, Daniel and the lion's den, but I can't assume and will not assume that we know that all of you know this story because some of you may be hearing this for the very first time, but it's one of the stories in the scripture uh, that probably has most notoriety. Even people that do not have faith um, in God and are not familiar with Christianity and or uh, its stories may have heard this. Uh, became even um, the title is used uh, by a New York Times bestseller um, just recently, right? And so even the, the, the title itself, even if you don't know the story, maybe you've heard of uh, someone share David and Goliath. But it's a, that's a powerful story. But Daniel and the lion's den is a powerful story as well. There is these stories all throughout the scripture that people seemingly know, and this is one of them. So I'm excited to share with you this story. Starting in verse uh, 1 in Daniel chapter 6, we pick up from a man who has served under multiple kings. And here we have a new king, right? And his name is Darius. Verse 1 says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. This is the third time that that's mentioned over a different king, that he distinguished himself so much that he was given more authority. Verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now, as we know, we're coming up uh, nearing an election year, right? There are people whose only job is to find what these candidates did wrong. Are you with me? There are people, that's their only job. Now, this is exactly what's happening in what these first five verses that I've just read. There are men whose job, who set it out for themselves to find where Daniel, with the government policy, as was just mentioned, they were trying to find something that Daniel did wrong. And it says they couldn't find it. Now, imagine that over the radio airwaves in the next 12 months, right? <laughs> we are trying to find something wrong with this candidate, but we couldn't. So instead, we're just going to talk about what policy I have, what convictions I have. That's not going to happen, right? Well, this is exactly what they tried to do. They were trying to find something that he's done wrong under previous kings. They were trying, they were reading all the policy, trying to figure it out, and they said they could not find anything. Now listen, this is absolutely an incredible statement about this man's life. We are not living in this time, right, in Babylon under a Christian nation. Daniel was not in the majority. He was in the minority. The laws were not written and perceived and designed to have people have their faith in one, the one and only true God. These laws were written to protect the king, and Daniel was not the king. These laws were written and designed in order to honor multiple gods, not just one. But they looked and they looked and they looked and they could find no fault in Daniel, which means Daniel entered into a country that was not his own. And what did he do with their laws? He honored them and he obeyed them, except for one. 
anything that had to do with him dishonoring his God in his belief he did not do. And so these 120 officials, what did they do? They said, hey, we can't find any fault in him unless it has to do with his God. What does that say about Daniel? A man of honor, a man of integrity, a man that humbled himself under authorities that did not believe what he believed and that did not see life the way that he saw it and did not have faith in his God that he believed in. Daniel lived a blameless life and it gave him favor. Some of you, because of the decisions of integrity that you make, you've won the favor of people that don't see life the way that you see it. And that happens from time to time in our lives. And ultimately, even though sometimes people don't see it, it's because of your faith. It may be because of your faith that you have won the favor of family. It may be because of your faith that you have won the favor in your workplace. But this is what happened to Daniel. He lived a life above reproach. He lived a life submitting himself to other rulers and authorities, but he stayed faithful in all of that to God. Verse six, we'll pick up. So these administrators and satraps, they went as a group to the king and they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. Now that's a lot of folks, by the way. All right. A lot, hundreds. They have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Holding there in verse 9 for a moment. Could you imagine being the king and everyone coming to you and saying that no one should pray, which in, really what that meant, when you and I say pray, we picture a lot of people in a room that kind of bow their heads, close their eyes, and, um, and like someone's talking to God, right? When they said the word pray, even when we think about this in the Hebrew, what it's basically saying, no one should communicate or, or show any affection towards any other a powerful being, any other God, no one. Like you're the only one that's in charge in this country and it should stay that way, right, king? But what king would disagree with that? Even if you think, what, is he so maniacal that he believes that people should bow down and pray to him? No, 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 you realize he's not a God, but people, real, people treated and saw the king as a God, power and authority that would rule forever. And so what was the king to say? Sure. Yes, that sounds good. Like, why, why wouldn't he agree to that? Because what they're saying is that, listen, we need unity in this land. There's no other power. There's no other authority other than you. Now, King Darius would have realized, oh, there are other gods that are worshipped. There are other gods that get attention in this land. We're, he's, he's leading a country, a powerful country at the time a very powerful country that saw actually its height of power in the last 200 years under his leadership, they honored many gods. So you have hundreds of your rulers that come to you and say, there's no other God but you. And he obliges. He agrees. Look in verse 10, picking it back up there. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, 
he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. This is where in the movie, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, you're like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. You know, you're watching the movie, you're like, no, 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 no. Next scene, please. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you pray a little bit away from the window, right? Come on, Daniel. It's like when he learned, he went and sat by his window and kneeled and prayed to God. But what did he do? Verse, verse 10, reading it, it says, Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had what? Done before. Like you're, <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel, I appreciate you being persistent and faithful, but I don't think God's going to mind if you move away from the window a little bit. You know, I'm like, come on, Daniel, don't do this to yourself. If you're hearing this story for the first time, you're with me, right? You're like, yes, move away from the window. Right? I don't think God, but he had a ritual and a routine, right? And that routine was authentic. It was real because he's experienced the power of God. He's walked with God. He's seen miracles of God. And then he learns that there's been this decree that he can't do it anymore. And Daniel says, no. But what does he do in the next verse? Verse 11 says, Then these men went as a group, and they found Daniel praying and asking God for what? That's why he did it. He wasn't going to back down, nor was he trying to shoot from the mountaintop, so to speak, and say, look at me. No, no, no. What he was doing was asking God for help because he knew that these men were after his life. And so he goes into his routine, not for routine's sake, right? He goes because he believes in the power of his God, and he asks for help. Picking it up in verse 12. So they went to the king, and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish? I love this. Like, how much time has passed? Of course I did. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Some were repealed, some could be, but this one could not be. Then they said to the king, verse 13, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and they said to him, Remember your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, no decree or edict that the, that the king issues can be changed. And so imagine that. They have trapped the king in his own law. You read this and you go, man, how could they? It's easy for governments around the world, right, to establish laws and policy that serve themselves. And this is exactly what they did. And I think because we live in a fallen world that there's not a government on the planet that does not have that issue and or that power. And by the way, not pointing fingers at their government and or ours or the neighboring countries, either whether they are our allies or our enemies. We do the same. We look out for who? us. And we, even sometimes at our worst and our and or our best, were selfish. And this is what they were doing. 
They did not like Daniel. They wanted to trick Daniel and they wanted to trick the king. And that's exactly what they did. They called him on his own word, the king, and they, and they were catching him. And so they hear they've trapped him. But the interesting thing that's found in these verses is the king's response. Immediately when they learned that it was Daniel, when he learned that it was Daniel that was found guilty, the story says that the king was greatly what? Distressed. It shows how powerful Daniel's life had been to the king, that he liked him, that it wasn't, it wasn't just a law that was just for himself. It was a law that was established to bring protection and to bring unity in the land and to make sure that there was no other power except for the king. And they realized, hey, he had trapped him in. And I think the king Darius realized that, listen, Daniel's not out to overthrow. He's been around a long, long time. If Daniel was attempting to overthrow, he would have tried to do that with the Jews that came from his land. But here we are, decade after decade after decade, Daniel's minding his own business, and yet they've trapped him. And the, the, this story says that the king was determined to set him free. The king was determined to save him. So I don't know what happened in the next few moments, but he obviously sent some men out to either protect him or sent some men out to make sure that he was not harmed. What happens next? Look in verse 16. Starting in verse 16. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Hold that for just a moment. Could you imagine being Daniel and hearing it? In some ways, I think he... He didn't blame him because I know the rest of the story. He didn't blame King Darius. He realized that it was not his fault, that it was these men that set out to destroy him and to take him out of a, a position of authority. They saw Daniel as a threat. Could you imagine being Daniel in that moment, listening to the king and saying, may your God. He didn't say my God. The king didn't say my God. The king said, may your God, whom you serve continually, may he rescue you. In some ways, that's the king declaring his faith. Not, only, not his faith in God himself, but his faith in Daniel's God. Pick it up and continue in verse 17. A stone was brought and was placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. What does that say about the king's affection? You ever had moments recently where you didn't feel like eating? It's a pretty bad day, huh? Sometimes people say, I've been so busy. I, just, I, I, I didn't eat today. I have never said that in my life. You know? Someone says, I'm so busy, I didn't eat lunch. I'm like, what? What's wrong with you? All right, but there have been moments where I've been sick to my stomach in fear and worry and anxiety about people that I love, people that are close to me that I'm just worried about, that there is no desire for food itself. This is how the king felt about Daniel. He loved him. 
It's incredible. This is this powerful, powerful verse. I mean, listen, this is a powerful king that ruled for 36 years. The last more than four or five in the Babylonian era is pretty powerful. 36 years of power. Historians outside the scripture write about King Darius and they write about this reign of 36 years and they see how powerful he was in the land. He was sick to his stomach and not just to turn down food, but to turn down entertainment, music, entertainment, dancing, his wives, his concubines, to turn it all down. He was sick to his stomach because of what they had done to Daniel. Not only speaks to the king's affection and his desire for Daniel, but the type of life that Daniel lived. Verse 19 says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in a what type of voice? An anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. There's so many moments throughout stories, especially in the scripture, that I'm like, I wish I could have seen it. I wish I could have been there. I remember a Bible teacher telling me once uh, to really saturate yourself in the stories of God, the stories about God. Really try to imagine that you place all five senses there. What would it have been like to, to watch? What would it have been like to even smell? What would it have been like to, to taste? What would it have been like to hear? To just to use all your senses and imagine this moment that the king, who sealed the day before what had been done that cannot be repealed, which really what this meant was not him stating that his law was valid. It was him stating if anyone tried to repeal this, if anyone tried to pull back the stone, that would have been disrespectful and dishonoring to the law and to the king, which would have meant their life. So you think, well, if he loved them, why did he like set his seal of approval on it? What he was saying was that this cannot be changed by anyone. Except for who? The king. And so he shows up and he has it rolled away. And what is he saying? Daniel, has your God saved you? And I imagine that the, the very space and time of Daniel listening, that the king is hollering and yelling for his name. Daniel would have recognized the voice of King Darius, would probably have heard the horses coming his way. And he hears a voice and Daniel by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm still nervous for Daniel, picturing him like sit by these lions and, and yell back, you know? Like, did he whisper? I doubt it, right? He can't say, yeah, yeah, king, I'm good. I'm all set. Why don't you throw me a rope, you know? No, no, no. He yells back at him and he says, yes, God saved me. Why? Because I'm innocent. I've done nothing wrong. And God is making himself no, I know I said after the first song, because it was such a powerful song, we could just kind of clap and say, thank you, God, for being awesome. Let's go home. Thanks for being on Encounter Church today. But I'm like, no, no, this is, this is the moment. This is the moment that God's designed for us today to see and to remember and to hear and to absorb a story where God is making himself known. 
what I love so much about the book of Daniel and the stories is that the theme is consistent, that God wants to make himself known, and that's what he does. I believe, and I don't know your story. I don't know your story. I, I don't know all of your stories, right? But I believe today, because you're here in this room or you're listening online at a later time, God is making himself known to you. And that God has made himself known, that this is the desire in the heart of God to make himself known, not only to you, but to your family, not only to you and to your family, but to the world. This is the heart and the desire of God to make himself known to you. And that is exactly what God is doing in this incredible story. So what's the king to do? He says, Daniel, did your God save you? like he's done before. Daniel, and this is another thought that I've had with, with the king. Daniel, did God save you like I heard about him saving you under other king's rules when you were young, right? All these stories that King Darius would have known. He recognized and he honored the power of Daniel's God, not just his life and his integrity, but his, but his God. Look at what happens next, picking up in... Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. There's only a few Bible verses that like pastors should honestly say I don't like. Here's one of them, right? I'm like, I don't like that verse. Let's go back. Let's go to the next one. But why was that? Why was that decree happen to not only kill them, but their wives and their children? I don't know specifically on this particular reason why the king did that. But if you want to get rid of evil, there's one way to do it, by getting rid of evil. And that's exactly what the king was doing, to look after and care for his kingdom. He realized that he was trapped and it was wrong, period. It was wrong. I'm not saying that it was right. To, to respond to the way that he did, right, and go get them and throw them and their wives and their children in the lion's den. But his job was to protect his country, and that's exactly what he did. And before they reached the floor of the den, this is in the middle of the verse, the lions overpowered them, and they crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and all the peoples of every language in all of the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Hold on that for just a moment. This is incredible. That the king, a pagan king, and I mean one that recognizes multiple gods, would issue this decree right after the one that had just issued, that was issued for himself, right? No one prays to any God or any other being except to me. He agreed on that. We're talking less than 30 days by what we learn in the chronology of this, of this story. Less than a month ago, he agreed and signed a law that said no one should pray. He could have said, wait, 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 there is one God, you know, the Jehovah God, the one that the Jews believe in, the ones that kept, you know, like Daniel and his people, man, they're, they have preserved powerfully. There's been, so yeah, except for that one, that one's good. Now he didn't say that. He said, nope. No other praying except by me. He issues a new one. Why? Because of the miracle that God had performed right in front of his eyes. This is what he says. For he is the living God. 
This is not the first king in the last few chapters that have recognized the power of the one and only true God. The third. He is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Can I just read that again? Say, "Uh uh-huh. I just want to read again. For he is the living God. Now, this isn't a, a pastor saying this. This isn't Daniel. Who is this? It's a king, a pagan king. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. It's almost as if he's saying, because he's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, I therefore see his power. And his power has lasted from king to king to king. King Nebuchadnezzar was dead. He's no longer in power. King Belshazzar was dead. He's no longer in power. Now King Darius, a 36-year powerful reign, there was only one God who was known to save people in the midst of danger, and it was Daniel's God. 30 days later, from pray only to me, to there's only one. I, I can't imagine the swag that Daniel had when he got out, right? He's like, yeah, that's what I thought, right? I doubt it, right? He's like, thanks, king, right? I mean, like this moment when I'm putting all my senses there, I'm like, oh, I just kind of want to clap, you know? If I was Daniel, I think I'd just get out and just start clapping. Look at what he did. I told you. I told your daddy too, right? I don't know if you've ever told anybody that. I don't recommend it. Might be looking for a line. I told your daddy too, right? And this is Daniel, an old, an old man at this time, okay? He's not walking out with the ripped muscles that he had after his, after his Daniel fast, right, that we read about in chapter 1. This young, handsome, good-looking man. We're talking a gray-haired man that served not just under this king, but his dad's king, and, right, or the, or the king's dad, or the king's grandfather. He's like, hey, I told you. Could you imagine the moment? Just a standing ovation. And whoever was by the king's side at that time, would have looked in awe, kind of as a third party, and said, wow, I can't believe he made it out. In some ways, I think the, 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 the bystanders nearby could have said, no one's ever done that before. Imagine Daniel going back to the king's palace and the interviews and the reporters nearby, right, and the cameras, and said, Daniel, what happened? My God saved me. The last verse says, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Daniel prospered once again. It was Daniel's life and integrity that got him attention. But it was his God who stole the day. His God stole the fame. And I think from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the end of the book we call the Bible, God is in the work and God is purposed for himself to make himself known to you. 
God has purposed in himself to make himself known to the world. And that is why hundreds of years later, Jesus Christ was born. And Jesus lived a life of 33 years. And he died on the cross, was buried. And we read that was witnessed by over 500 people that he rose again from the dead. And then he went to God the Father in heaven. The reason he did that was to offer the forgiveness of sin to all people. And what was this about? About making himself known that he loves you and that he loves me. And that God has purposed in himself from creation to the day that we stand here today, September the 1st, 2019. God has purposed for himself to make himself known to you and to tell you like he was that day in front of the king, I am God. And that's exactly what he did. Daniel's life opened up incredible opportunity. Daniel's life, because of his integrity, because of his faith, because of his courage, and because of his bravery, he stood in the face and sat by the face. And I can't imagine his pillow was a lion that night, but when he stood and he slept by the lions, he was walking a miracle because he was in the presence of God. And God saved him. And God saved him not just for his own good, but so that the next day a pagan king would say, There's only one God, and it must be his God. I don't know the end of King Darius' life. We read about it in history. I know some of the things that he did and the bloodshed that was on his hand and the evil that was on his hand. But I wonder towards the end of his life if he really turned and made a proclamation. And it was not just Daniel's God, but his God too. He had the chance, just like you and I have the chance every single day, to choose Will we believe in God? Some of you are already on your faith journey and you would say for yourself, I want my life to be like Daniel. (laughs) I want to live a life everywhere I go in my showing my faith and how my faith makes a difference every single day of my journey. You can be a Daniel to the world around you. If if you have faith and if you're following Christ, you can be a Daniel in your workplace. You can be a Daniel in your family. I've not known some of your stories. Some of your your families do not believe what you believe. Some of your friends don't believe what you believe. And your workplaces surely might not understand, nor did the king at the time where Daniel lived. But you can be a Daniel because of your faith, because of your journey, because of your integrity, You can be, but you may be on the other side of that faith journey where you would say today, he's not my God. He might be someone else's God, but he's not my God. Just know that Jesus longs to make himself known to you. And the Bible teaches us and we believe that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone, no matter where you are in that journey, he can be your God, not just Daniel's God. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar, just like King Belshazzar, just like King Darius and the kings to follow in the Babylonian era. God made himself known like he's making himself known today. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you're exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.